This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. This is a good day to be alive. Amen? Because God is on the verge of doing great things. He's already doing things, but He wants to do more. And you know, uh, God works in our life according to His will, but also it's according to our expectation. How many times did we see in the Scriptures where Jesus told people, He said, according to your faith, or we could say it this way, according to your expectation... May it be done unto you. What is your expectation for 2021? You know, we're, we're starting a brand new series. And of course, this February, you know, we're uh, uh, renewing our faith promise uh, for missions, which we began last year. And let me just say this before we get into the message. Uh, you know, we met and exceeded our goal of $65,000 for our mission. So give yourself a hand. That's a combined with all three campuses. And you know, that's over and above your giving and your tithes. So, I mean, we're so thankful for that. And we're believing that God will do even more. So have your expector out there. Amen? Because here's the thing, you know, the pipe that brings the water gets wet too. Amen? And when God enables you to give more, that means what? There's more blessing in your life. And that's the way the kingdom works. God works on a win-win situation. Amen? We give, it's given back to us. So expectation. You know, I want us, and we are by faith, and we have been historically, but we are a Holy Ghost church. Amen? I want the Holy Spirit working in my life, in my home. I want the Holy Spirit working in this church and through this church because the Scripture says, unless the Lord builds a house, we labor in vain. I'm going to tell you what, if you're looking for me to build this, oh, bless your heart. I'm looking for God to build His house. Now, He's going to use us. You know, we talked about last month that, you know, God's engine to fulfill His vision is you and I, all the parts coming together. Now, this month, we're going to, talk, we're going to be talking about this month of our, our, our missions emphasis. Turn to Isaiah 58. We're going to be talking about chosen. And uh, we shortened that because I want to read from you, and this is kind of going to be our theme text. doesn't mean that every message will be exactly this, but it'll be some aspect of this. He said in verse 6, he says, is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? Now, for the sake of time, I, I, I preempted those first few verses because he says to Israel, he calls them to task, and he says, you're going around in a religious way with your fasting. You're looking all sad, and you're down, and you got your sackcloth and your ashes on, and you're, I mean, you're going through all that. And you know, in Jesus' day, He said the same thing about the Pharisees. He says, you're doing things outwardly so that you will appear 
to be, you know, so pious and religious and everything to people. But he said, the truth is, he said, it, it, there's, your heart's not in it. The motive's all wrong. And so he's saying to them, he said, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? That's why we say chosen. What has God chosen? To, to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and, to, and break every yoke. This is what God has called His church to be and to do. And so as we look at this, and we'll look at some more scriptures here too as we, we go through uh, our series this month, but He's called us to this kind of fast. He's called us, He, want, he says the church needs to be anointed. Listen, there's some yokes that only the anointing can destroy. You can counsel people, you can pray with them, you can agree in prayer, and all those things are good. But sometimes there are certain strongholds that can only be broken by the anointing. You know, there was a, there was a myth about, maybe you remember reading about it, maybe in school or something, called the Gordian Knot. You ever heard about that? It's in Greek mythology. And it was supposed to be this intricate knot that was so tied in such a way that, that that nobody could figure out how to untie it. And it was so difficult that uh, surrounding it was a prophecy that whoever could untie it would rule Asia. And, you know, nobody could figure out how to do it. People just trying to figure it out. You know, and that's the way it is sometimes. Things in our lives, we're trying to figure it out and figure it out and plan it out and work it out in human wisdom. And nobody could untie it until one day. And I'll leave you there. We'll get to that in a minute. But we're talking today about healing the bruises of Satan. Healing the bruises of Satan. You know, the Bible says that Satan is the God of this world. And we're in this world, and that means, you know what? Listen, I know we're people of faith. I know that. We have on the armor of God. But you know what? We're still vulnerable to things that happen in this world. We're susceptible. We, we can be injured. We can be hurt. I mean, you read about the Apostle Paul and all the apostles. I mean, even Jesus himself. I mean, Jesus was wounded, wasn't he? He was rejected. He was despised. I mean, all kind of things happened. To, just because we're people of faith and we have on the armor of God doesn't mean nothing will ever happen or come into our lives that can hurt us, that can bruise us, that can wound us. But the good news is we don't have to stay that way. The problem is, is when the bruises of Satan affect our life, affect my heart, affect my mind, affect my body, affect my relationships, and we stay there. We never get released. We never get victory. We never overcome. That's wrong. That doesn't mean that you're, if you're living in that place that you're a bad person or anything. It just means that, you know what? You need some light. You need some understanding. And I hope... The message today will help you a little bit along that way. Let's look over in Exodus chapter 1. You know, here in Exodus, the people of Israel, God's people, were living in Egypt. And Egypt, throughout Scripture, Egypt is also a type of the world, the world system. And so they were in bondage in Egypt. They were living in Egypt. They were in bondage. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses there. Verse 19 or excuse me, verse 13, it says, uh, it said, uh, 
So the Egyptian came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. That's what the devil does. That's what his system does. Ruthlessly means, Ruth means grace. So ruthless means without grace. There's no grace in the world system. And Satan says, there's no grace there. Says he worked them ruthlessly, made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar, with all kinds of work in the fields, in all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Now that means they were in servitude, with severity, with cruelty, and it even means to break apart. And as we walk through life, we're in the world. We're not of the world, but we're in the world. And so the God of this world is going to be launching attacks at you. There's going to be things. And His kingdom and His purpose and His rule is to treat you with severity. And He wants to make your life so hard, so difficult, so wounded, that just like the Israelites, you become bitter. Your life becomes bitter. You ever seen? There's nothing to me more sad or tragic than a bitter Christian. It's almost, it's, it's almost like an oxymoron, isn't it? Because Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you have it more abundantly, but you see them, they're bitter. They've been wounded. They've been hurt. And so they're, they're bitter. They're life. They're going through life. And, you know, and they're, they're, you know, I'm not saying they're bad people. They're good people. They love God, but they're going through life and they're bitter. You can tell it when you talk to them. You can see it on their countenance. You can see it in the way they relate in their relationships. They're bitter. They're hurt. Lives have made been bitter by the wounds and the bruises of Satan. You know, Satan is a hard taskmaster. He is. Oh, he promises you the world, but all he gives you is hell. Can you say that in church? <laughs> That's true, isn't it? That's what he does. So we, we're all vulnerable. We're all susceptible to, to being uh, injured, being bruised, being wounded in this life. The bruises of Satan. Uh, he said that the fast he has chosen, though, is what? Is to let, to, to untie the cords and to loose the heavy burdens. And that means the oppression. He said to let the oppressed go free. We read there in Isaiah 58. That word oppressed, again, it means to break. It means to bruise. It means to crush. And it means to discourage. That's what, God, that's what the enemy wants to do to you. He wants to break you. He wants to break and separate you from your family, from your wife, your husband, your kids, the brothers and sisters in the church. Come on. He's always doing it. He wants to oppress you. He wants to discourage you in your walk with God. It, it amazes me how easily spirit-filled people can be offended. Over the most trivial stuff. I won't go there, but I could. I mean, I've, I've had people come tell me, well, Pastor, we're leaving the church because, you know, the, we don't like the color of the chairs. Or the lights are not bright enough. They're too bright. We don't like the color of the carpet. We don't like the song selection. We don't like this. We don't like... It just amazes me. What are they going to do when they get to heaven? If it's too bright up there, what are they going to do? 
Holy cow. Isn't it? I mean, we laugh, but it's the truth. I'm telling you the truth. God is my witness. The most trivial things can separate us. You know, and I believe it's because there are wounds and there are hurts and there are bruises there that we use other things as an excuse and a cover-up. You know, I've used this uh, illustration before. You know, if you, if you hurt your arm, if it, it was, say it was sore and tender and maybe swollen a little bit, and we're just around, and I come up to you, and I say, how you doing, brother? And you go, ah, I ain't going back to that church. He hurt me. Hello? No, we didn't hurt you. You were hurt at another time, and you've never, the wounds never healed. And you know, speaking naturally, medically, if you go to a doctor and the wound doesn't heal, you know they've got what they call wound specialist. Because it's not natural for a wound to not heal. That is unnatural, and it's also unhealthy. A wound can be infected. <laughs> Amen. So there's a lot of wounds. We can be, what, broken in spirit by rejection and loss. Anybody besides me ever been rejected? Oh, my gosh. Ooh, that's a big one, you know, in the church and in the world. There's rejection. I don't like you because you're not like me. Your skin's a different color. You dress different. You like different kind of music than we do. We like to worship this way. You like to worship that way. You, you. It's amazing. Me. We reject each other over all kinds of things. Isn't that right? And sometimes, you know, uh, uh, we, we reject each other, you know, just because, you know, somebody hurt me. So that's it. My gosh. You know, I, my suggestion for you is to learn how to be a hermit and go find a cave somewhere up in the Appalachian Mountains and live there because if you're going to live in the world with the rest of us, you're going to you're going to be subjected to rejection. You're going to be hurt by people. That's not prophecy. That's just common sense, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's real. But see, it doesn't have to wound us to the point to where we stay wounded, where it begins to affect our attitudes and our actions and our words. We're talking about the fast God's chosen. He wants to break this oppression off of you. Broken. Disappointed by unfulfilled expectations or failures. Anybody ever had any expectations that were unfulfilled, to, at least to this point? Sometimes it's with people in relationships. You know, that husband wasn't quite the husband you thought you were going to get or were getting. <laughs> Vice versa. Isn't that true? We have expectations, you know. You have expectations with your pastor. I guarantee you I haven't met them all. I know that. That's not news to me. <laughs> see, you just need to pray more for me, see. No. <laughs> but we have, there's all kind of expectations that we can have for one another, isn't there? 
with me. And in life, we, maybe you had an unfulfilled expectation with your job career. You thought, you know, you were going to get into this career and it was just really going to take off and you were going to climb the ladder of success and, you know, you're still on the second rung. And people that, that, that started when you do, they're up on the fourth or fifth rung. And you have, you, you begin to, you, it begins to affect you. You begin to have an attitude of, of becoming a victim. And let me just say this. A victim attitude will never produce a victory. It just can't. Man, I've been there. Oh, man, I'm telling you. So, oh, Pastor, you've just had it made all your life. Oh, boy. If I just sit down. I, see, I don't go around telling you all my woes and troubles, but I'm going to tell you what. I, I could tell you some. I mean, if we, you know, like Paul said, remember one time over there, he was defending himself. He says, I'm speaking naturally now. You, you provoke me to speak natural. Oh, boy. Man, I'm telling you. You know, but un, unfulfilled expectations. Maybe things haven't gone just the way you thought they were, just perfectly, you know. We just, you know, we, you got saved. You were so excited. You got filled with the Spirit. Man, I mean, whoo. Bam. Paul said, we've been knocked down, but not knocked out. I've been there. He said, we've suffered loss, but we're not disappointed. I've been there. Man, I've had setbacks, knockbacks, knockdowns. Almost knockouts, but not quite. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Unfulfilled expectations. But, you know, these are bruises, and they affect us. They affect the way we pray. They affect the way we uh, use our faith and our hope for the future in God. They affect, you know, our energy level. Man, when you're hit with some of these things, I mean, you know, man, you, you ever been there where you just didn't want to get out of bed? Ooh, come on, honey. It affects us. and we, So we can't allow these things to remain in us. Disappointed by unfilled, unfulfilled expectation, failures. Anybody besides me ever, ever had a failure? I got good news for you. You know, failure is not fatal. Aren't you glad? Boy, I am. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. But it can wound you if you let it. It can wound you if you let it. And then... A, maybe a lingering sickness in our body. You're believing God. You're standing in faith. And, you know, for some reason the healing hadn't come yet. You can get bitter about that. Man, especially if you've got pain associated with it or something debilitating. I'm going to tell you, the only good thing about pain is when it leaves. You know what I mean by that? If, if you don't know that, you ain't never had none. <laughs> Amen. Man, I'm, I'm a big proponent of no pain. I'm talking about in our bodies. Amen? And, you know, so it, it can wonder. Sometimes in our mind, people, you, can be, you know, you can be sick in your mind just like you can be sick in your body. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. You can be sick in your mind the same way you can be sick in your body. Depression? Sadness? You, you can see it on people. They've been Hit and hit and hit and hit by life, buffeted by life. They're wounded. That's what we're talking about, the bruises of Satan. And that's what he wants to do. If he can't take you out, he wants to incapacitate you. Because he's afraid of you. He's afraid if we all get over our woundedness and we all become unified and we all begin to seek God and do his plan. Oh, buddy. 
There's going to be a rough time in Satan's camp. That's all he tries to do is keep us divided. And you know, the, the sad thing is, every generation we seem to fall for it. Amen. And so what happens is the bruises of Satan, ultimately he wants to create a hopelessness in us, a hopelessness in you concerning your circumstances and your future. Because what he's wanting to do is to get you to stop fighting the good fight of faith. He wants to get you passive, giving up, just floating through life, taking the path of least resistance, no longer willing to take any risk or step out in faith for God or, 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 or be courageous. Come on. If you've never been there, just hang on, you will be. Now, Remember the children of Israel, they came out of Egypt, didn't they? They were led out by a mighty hand of God, weren't they? And you know, in Exodus 15, I won't read it, but you can read, you know, when they crossed the Red Sea and the Egyptians tried to cross too, remember that? And the waters came up over them. And you remember, man, they were having one of those Holy Ghost fits on the other side. I mean, you know, Miriam broke out the timbrel. They was, you know, they were jumping over rocks. They were shouting. They were singing, the Lord, you know, has delivered us. And the Egyptians have found, you know, drowned. And I mean, boy, it was a hallelujah time. And then, verse 23. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's what Marah means, bitter. It was bitter. So they, they came out of Egypt with a, a, with a great and mighty supernatural working of God. But they came to a place to where they only had bitter water to drink. And see, some... Some people, not, not only Christians, but just people in the world especially, they're drinking, they've been drinking so much bitter water. And it's, it's poisoned them. It's poisoned their system. It's poisoned their spirit. It's poisoned their emotions. It's poisoned their expectations about the future. It's poisoned their relationship and their marriages and all kinds of things because that's what Jesus said. He said He comes, what, to kill, steal, and destroy. Well, he doesn't always come at you with a frontal attack. Oh, there's the devil. We see, I mean, you know, you got the word devil on him. He works through people. He works through circumstances, doesn't he? And he hits us with things. We're rejected. We're, we're bruised. We, we, we're discouraged. We're all of those things. You know what you're doing? You're drinking bitter water. It's bitter. It's poisoning our system. And I'm going to tell you, there's a whole lot of bitter water being drank in our nation. A lot of bitter water. And it's separated us. It's divided us. It's poisoned us. It's caused us to see one another in the wrong way. And especially in the church, instead of us understanding that our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, because of the bitter water that's in us, we begin to attack one another. I'm trying to. The effects of drinking bitter waters. The first one is, 
and there are others too, but I'm just going to look at three. Isolation. We withdraw because of the woundedness. Hasn't been healed. We withdraw. We begin to build walls around us. We may literally withdraw fellowship from a church or from people, but we build those walls around us. We, you know, even though we, we do what we have to do, you know, to make a living and all that, but we keep people at arm's length. We've got, we've got, you run in, you got buffers around you. You got wall, you know, you don't want, because you know what? You haven't been healed. You're wounded. You've been rejected. You've been hurt. We're suspicious. We're fearful. Come on. He's white. She's black. That's just one example. You can go on and on about it. See, we isolate. That's what, that's what the devil likes to do. He likes to isolate us because it's easy to pick us off. Divide and conquer. That's the old, one of the oldest rules of warfare in the world. And he does it. And the sad thing is when we're, we're wounded and we're drinking bitter waters, we fall for it every time. But that's not God's plan. Amen? And then once isolation, then the next thing that happens is stagnation. It's a lack of movement in our lives because of disappointments. You ever seen a stagnant pool of water or pond or something? You know, a stagnant pool of water, it, it has no fresh water coming into it. So it just sits there and kind of percolates and percolates and, you know, and, and all kind of growth starts happening in it a film gets across the top the water gets darker and darker that's what happens in our lives with stagnation there is no more movement we've cut ourselves off from other people we sometimes we you know it's with god we're mad at god we're bitter at god god's dealt me a bad hand remember the story of naomi in, in the book of ruth you know, Naomi, she left Bethlehem, house of bread, with her husband and two sons, and they moved to Moab, and she got, you know, in the course of time, her two sons took wives there, and then her husband died, and then one son died, and then another son died, so you got three widows living together there. And so she decides to go back. You know the story. She goes back to Bethlehem. You know, one of the, the daughter-in-law stays there, but Ruth comes with her. And Naomi gets back in, in Bethlehem, and everybody says, there's Naomi, there's Naomi. You know what Naomi means? Pleasant. But she said, don't call me Naomi any longer. She said, call me Mara, because I'm bitter, because the Lord has dealt harshly with me. Boy, there's a whole lot of folks in the church that feel that way. God just ain't done right by me. And he's, they're saying, I'm bitter. I'm bitter. They're drinking that bitter water. They're falling for that poison of the bitter water. Stagnation. And then finally, it leads to resignation. And this is really where he wants to get there. Where we accept our circumstances, this is just our lot in life. We become unresisting. We become unresisting to the thoughts that the enemy puts, unresisting to the discouragement, the rejection, unresistant to the doubts and the fears and all of those things that the bitter waters have poured into our life. That's where the enemy wants to get us. But the good news is we don't have to stay there. 
I wish I could tell you you'll never be wounded, but you already know that's not true. But the good news is we don't have to stay wounded. Did you know Jesus was wounded? So before you think you're so high and mighty that you'll never be wounded, (laughs) Jesus said the servant is not above the master. Isn't that right? If they wounded him, they're going to wound us. You're going to be wounded in this life. You are. But the good news is that you can be healed from your wounds. You know, somebody has said the only man-made thing that will ever be in, in heaven and eternity is the scars in Jesus' body. But you know, scars are not debilitating. Scars shows where you've been healed. Jesus didn't tell, uh, you know, Thomas, put your hand into these wounds that were still bleeding. He wasn't still bleeding when he showed himself to the, on resurrection day. He wasn't still bleeding. Amen. No, he had scars. He said, put your hand, feel the scars. But you know what? Those scars signified what? That he had overcome. Scars are the badge of the overcomer. Woundedness is the badge of those who are still in captivity. I might say that again. I said, scars are the badge of the ones who have been healed, who have overcome the bruises of Satan. But the wounds are those who are still, still held captive. They've not become healed and whole from that. But the good news is you can be. You can be, be we can be scarred but not wounded. We can be whole again. Look in Psalm 84. Why does the time go so fast when you're preaching? At least for me, maybe it's dragging for you. Hope not. Y'all getting anything out of this? Verse 6, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Now, you say that's a very obscure scripture, but the word there, Baca, means a place of weeping. So we could read it this way. They passed through the valley of weeping. I wish I could tell you, you never would, but you will. But he said, what do they do? They make it a place of springs. That valley of weeping, place of springs, literally means a place of satisfaction. When we are whole, have you ever, you ever been, had sickness attack your body in any way? Man, I'm telling you, it's not fun, is it? All those people say, you know, God put sickness on you to teach you something. I'm going to tell you what. When I've been sick, I ain't been thinking about no lessons. Can you imagine? I mean, you're sick. You can barely lift your head off the pillow. You off your pillow, and they come in there and say, "I got this geometry lesson for you here." You, you ain't no. You're not, that's the silliest thing I ever heard of. No, you want to get well, don't you? And when you get well, what a wonderful thing it is. You appreciate your health more than ever. You say, thank God, you know. With the help of God, man, I'm, you know, I'm not going to get that place again. I'm believing that the life of God's working in me. Amen. Somebody says, yeah, well, I know somebody that believed that. They got sick. Well, I'm telling you what. Just think how sick they would have got if they hadn't been believing it. <laughs> Amen. Some people, life is always a, half gla- a glass half empty. 
But he says, as you pass it through a, a, a valley of weeping, he said, make it a place of, of, of spring. Make it a place of living waters. Jesus said, we're to drink of the living waters, not the bitter waters. Now, if you go on and read there, uh, we won't turn back for the sake of time. And in Exodus 15, all the people were complaining about, you know, bitter waters. The waters were bitter. And it says that, that God showed Moses a piece of wood, a stick, to throw in the waters. And what did it do? It became fit to drink, sweet water. You know, we've got to take all our woundedness and all our hurts and all our rejections and all our disappointments, and we've got to bring them to the cross. Isaiah 53 says, Jesus was wounded for our woundedness. I'm paraphrasing it, but that's what it says. He was wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. Jesus was wounded for us. Now, in our court system, we have something called double jeopardy. That means that once you've been tried for a crime and acquitted and found innocent, you can't be retried again. Are you listening? So Jesus has already had my sentence and your sentence for our sins and our woundedness. He's already had that sentence placed on him, and it's been executed. So how can you be tried again? But that's what the devil tries to convince you. You deserve this. This, this is just this is how it is. This is the way it's supposed to be. You know, and when we run into a, you know, a normal Christian, we think that he or she's abnormal. If we're not beat up and beat down and weighted and feeling guilty and all of this, you know, what's wrong with me? I got peace today. Wow. Just make sure you get rid of this. I'm happy today. Wait, Christian can't be happy. <laughs> he says, we make it a place of springs. Listen, you're going to be wounded in life. We know that. We're going to be hurt. You're going to have an opportunity to either drink from the bitter waters that will keep your wound from healing and hold you captive and oppressed, or you can take it to the cross. You can take it to Calvary. You can take it to the Lord. Say, Lord, you already bore my rejection. You already bore my woundedness. And I'm not going to drink from the bitter waters. I'm going to allow the cross of Calvary to make my waters sweet again. And that starts with forgiveness. How do we draw, suck out that, that bitterness, that poison of bitterness in our life? We've got to forgive and receive forgiveness. I know this is simple, but it's a fact. Because you're going to need both. You're going to need to, you're going to, need to get forgiveness, receive forgiveness, and you're going to need to give it. Give it. Because if you don't give forgiveness, you know, you open up. You leave that wound open for the bitter waters to come in. You say, but they really did that. I know that. You really did sin, but God forgave you. <laughs> Amen. We pour in the oil and the wine of encouragement, of prayer, and restoring hope. Now, listen, this not only applies to us, but this is for those around us that God brings across our path that we see they're wounded. 
They're wounded in life. You may see that person at work. Well, maybe you're not going to work. You're working remote. But, you know, we're not going to be in this place forever. But you know some people, you can know some people that, they, that they're wounded and they've never been healed. They're still drinking the bitter waters. Their words, their expression, the way they go about life, it tells you. So you know what? You've got to pour in the oil and the wine. You've got to pray. You've got to give them the word. You've got to encouragement. You've got to build hope again. Hope again. You can be made whole. You know, Jesus used to ask people that come to him the strangest questions in the natural. They'd come to him blind. Well, what do you, what do you want me to do for you? Duh. Jesus. <laughs> Will you be made whole? <laughs> well, Lord, you know, I hope so. Will you be made whole? See, he wants to build some hope in you, some expectation in you. You can be whole. You don't have to go around with this hurt, this woundedness, this feeling of rejection, this building of walls around our life so that, you know, we never take any risk anymore. We never experience the abundant life God has us for, for us anymore. God said, this is the fast I've chosen. Let me give you my action points, and then we're going to pray. Being in the world, you're going to get wounds. It produces wounds. Sometimes we're wounded. Sometimes, you know, we're the one that does the wounding. I, I didn't go there, but that's true, isn't it? Wounded people need help with their healing. Especially people out in the world, they need help with their healing. You know, Jesus said this about the Pharisees. He said the Pharisees, he said, your religion doesn't help lift one burden off of people. Religion won't do that. God said, this is the fast I've chosen. That you loose the heavy burdens. That you let the oppressed, the crushed, the discouraged, the broken go free. That's what He's called us to do, church. And then finally, you know, when you see people like that, don't add to their misery. Don't tell them, yeah, yeah, well, you know, it's exactly what you deserve because you did this and you did that. And you, well, what if you got what you deserved? But rather, let's what? Let's pour in the oil and the wine of the Word, the Spirit, the love of God. Amen? We're talking about the bruises of Satan, healing the bruises of Satan. And I want to pray with you. If you'd you just cl close your eyes there for a moment, bow your head just for a moment. Maybe you're here today and you are suffering from a wound that hasn't been healed. You've been drinking from the wrong fountain. You've been drinking the bitter waters. Remember what James said over there. He said, brothers and sisters, he said, can both salt water, bitter water, and fresh water come out of the same fountain the same source it pollutes it hurts it wounds and you know most of the time the woundedness is not our fault but here's the thing if you're waiting for the person who wounded you to come back and heal you you're in for a long wait the one who can heal you is the Lord Jesus Right now, I'm going to pray, but as I do, if 
if there's a wound of any kind, if there's somebody that you need to forgive, if you need to just forgive them and just let it go and just move on, if there's been discouragement, if there's been failure, listen, Paul said, putting those things behind, take it to the cross this morning. Let your bitter waters become sweet again. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that, Father, everyone, that may have bitter waters in their life. There may have a wound that has not healed, Father. They, maybe they've come to the place of, of resignation, that this is just my lot in life. God, I pray today that as they come back to the cross of Calvary, they'll see that Jesus has already taken their failures. He's taken their rejection. He's taken their woundedness. He's taken all of the bitter waters and made them sweet again. Father, we release forgiveness to everyone who's offended us. And we receive forgiveness where we have failed. It is a free gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.